tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geeks Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome to another week on the Geeks Watch, and uh, we are here, John, today to talk about episode 9 of Westworld season 1. We'll get to that eventually, but... um, Let's talk about some geek news because that's uh, also what we're here to do. We're here to guard the gates for the ge- for the geeks and uh, let in what is pertinent. So, what's the first story you want to talk about? Uh, first thing that came across my uh, bull about a month, uh, going from November. Uh, let's see here, or July, July twenty seventh, twenty eighteen to uh october 5th 2015. uh no reason has been given yet but usually with something a a big tentpole movie like this being moved from the summer to the uh fall uh doesn't usually bode well and it usually means that they have some massive reshoots or some stuff is just not working out like they hoped and they need more time to complete it so all in all this uh not a good track record for this rebooted DC universe, uh, along with the Flash troubles. <laughs> yeah, the Flash troubles are. I don't know. I think that's really a serious thing, that, and it doesn't seem to be getting as much, uh, in like play. I guess is the best. It's not enough spotlight, basically. But the idea that the movie's release date for Aquaman is being pushed back a month. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Warner Brothers just felt like they didn't have anything that's going to else be out around that time, or they, you know, someone else announced something that was going to. Because, uh, let's see, Doctor Strange came out in November or October? November. Yeah. November. So, I mean, maybe they figure they'll get a little bit closer to that time for uh, the Aquaman movie. Maybe. Maybe they figured, well, if it works for Marvel, and that seems to be their. Their mantra right now is like, let's do what Marvel does because they seem to have it down. Yeah, I mean that's what I would do. They they definitely seem to be doing yeah. a, a good job over there. Yeah, they need to go back like fifty years and get a Stanley first. I think that's where <laughs> they need to begin. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, what what does that mean to you? Do you think you just think it's it's more? I mean, because they haven't even started filming anything for Aquaman, so I don't know about reshoots or anything like that. But I mean, maybe the reshoots for Justice League is going to push the production for Aquaman a little further back. That is also possible. Uh, they could be needing more time. Although I think they're supposed to be done with um, Justice League already, as far as I can tell. Um, I definitely 
don't see why uh what could be holding them back that much longer uh it's probably more a case of they have nothing coming out in that time frame or maybe they just see the opportunity to do so although they're going to get very close to uh to Star Wars's territory, if they hold back any longer, <laughs> that's and true. You definitely don't want to get caught in that crossfire. No, no, they would not want to do that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Warner Brothers, uh, you know, gets a, a good movie out. That's all I really care about. I don't really care about what when the date that it comes out. I'm going to go see it anyways. I just hope that they have a good movie in the end. And you know the. The whole success of Aquaman will ride entirely on the the charm and charisma of Jason Momoa, which he does have that in spades. So I'm not too worried about it, honestly. Like, I don't care that he doesn't look blonde hair, blue eyed and has an orange outfit. Um, I've always thought that look for Aquaman was silly anyway. So this is kind of a nice interpretation of it. And uh, if you haven't seen it, there's a really cool video of of Jason Momoa just like having a beer or throwing tomahawks at a target. Yeah. And he I, just does it so like awesomely. Like I'm like, damn, this dude's I want to hang out with this dude. He seems awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I think uh him and Ryan Reynolds like they kinda he kinda does like Ryan Reynolds where he, you know, interacts with fans quite well and then also likes to use his social media to his benefit as opposed to other uh actors who are playing comic book movies or comic book characters yeah he takes it in stride he's a real chill dude from the looks of it and uh yeah uh you know all have that uh you know to help them out on my side i'm like yep this guy is awesome <laughs> okay uh one story that i had was that uh, another show that we talk about on the Geeks Watch, obviously, it's, it's where we get our namesake, Game of Thrones. We had Alfie Allen, who plays uh, Theon Greyjoy, or Reek, if you will, uh, was at Malta India Fan Convention uh, recently. And they were in asking him some questions about Game of Thrones. Uh, one was, what can we expect from Season 7? And his answer was more of the same, but better. More dragons and more torture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you know, are they going to cut more of his dick off? Cool. <laughs> yeah, you know that. I don't know if I can see any more torture on Theon Greyjoy, but I mean, uh, well, probably. I, I don't doubt we're going to see a lot more torture just in the show in general. Um, then someone else asked him, uh, as far as Theon's headspace going forward, uh, what what is it that uh, Oh, just, okay, just what is Theon's headspace going forward? And uh, Alan described it as skittish and full of fear, basically, and then, uh, basically, and then that can kind of, I guess, evolve into rage, which you might see, who knows? <laughs> so, you know, these, whenever these uh, stars get to these conventions and stuff, they have to be very, uh, held back with what they say, you know, not to get in trouble with the, the, the studio or uh, in this case HBO I imagine but there's not I, I always find it weird when you go to conventions and people ask them like what what, what are we going to see in the next season and stuff like that and it's like you know they can't tell you anything so I don't know why people ask those questions 
Uh, but that's what he had to, he had to say about that. Then when a fan asked that what his character's reaction would be to reunite with with the Starks like Sansa and, and Jon Snow, Alan answered elusively. You mean if that happens, Alan warned the audience. Gotta stop looking at the internet, guys. Uh, however, Alan couldn't help hypothet- uh, hypothesizing how the reunion would go, thinking, I would say Theon would feel horrible. He'd feel awful, and he'd see it as a chance to redeem himself. So, there you go. Those are some of the ideas that uh, Al- Alfie Allen has on the Theon's role in, in Season 7. Now, my hope for Theon in Season 7, if he's on the redemptive arc, and he pulls through and actually, you know, uh, becomes a hero, I hope at the very least Daenerys commissions for him like a Valyrian steel uh, strap-on. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that could kind of make up for it, you know, like... That would be pretty legendary. <laughs> yeah, I would assume that you know there'd be stories and songs about the the man who travels the country with the Valerian steel strap on. So uh, it would be quite legendary. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> <laughs> um, I also have another story here. Uh, they just released a new trailer for Hideo Kojima's next game, Death Stranding. Uh, This shows a little bit more, although it's still confusing as hell as to what we can expect from the story. Uh, You have a character modeled after Guillermo del Toro, who's been involved with Kojima since the failed uh, Silent Hills revival. uh, Playing uh, what looks like a lobotomized uh, version of himself, carrying a canister containing a fetus. And you also get to see that uh, Mats Mikkelsen will also be a character in this game who bears a striking resemblance to Cassilius from <laughs> Doctor Strange. I thought the same thing. I thought he looked a lot like Cassilius in that uh, with his get-up and his makeup on. But uh, yeah, that, that trailer, once again, is very strange. But at least I feel like we get a little bit more story in this one as opposed to the last one or the first one. But yeah, still a little out there. Well, that's definitely not saying much because the first one was just a bunch of dead sea animals on a beach. Norman Reedus with no belly button holding a baby and uh, some weird floating figures in the distance. Literally told you nothing of the story. (laughs) Here we have a bit more of an understanding. It's almost like a World War II setting, although you can kind of tell that it's much more modern than that. Right. Um, there's black oil stuff everywhere, which you could see in the first trailer as well. And there's this weird umbilical cord symbolism, um, where like Del Toro's character carrying the baby fetus thing, the pod hooks up something to it. And that's what brings, brings the baby to life. It looks like possibly mind melding with it because it's this really weird parallel or the baby seems to wake up and that's when Del Toro's character is doing more stuff. And you see like this weird skeleton army and a tank that's covered in guts and tentacles. I mean, there's just some weird imagery going on in this thing, (laughs) but I'm intrigued. I mean, like if I were to get a PlayStation four, I mean, I was definitely considering getting one just for silent Hills. Now I might do it for this game instead. So that would be the killer app for me. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I obviously I have a PS4. I don't use it for much other than YouTube and Netflix. Uh, unfortunately, I need to play some more video games, but I don't know. I feel like I might need to play this game just to be part of uh, the pop culture like moment that this thing is going to come out because it's it seems pretty out there just from what I've seen so far. Oh yeah, and I mean Kojima's. I mean. He was legendary before this, but if if you hear the whole story about just how much Konami was trying to screw him over, uh, there's rumors that they kept him in lockdown. They wouldn't let him receive an award last year because he was basically under house arrest. They didn't want him out and talking about how they were treating him, you know, shortly before they did their big uh, destruction of their gaming department. It's, uh, yeah, there's a whole thing there. You could probably make a cool social network type movie about, uh, the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, that, uh, we, you know, that would be kind of a strange movie. It'd have to be like some kind of unauthorized one, I imagine. But, uh, I mean, oh, wow, that's just, that's strange. I had never heard a lot of that, st- that those rumors before, so. Uh, oh yeah, uh, he he totally did Silent Hills, uh, the PT thing, behind <laughs> the back of the 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 head honchos at, at Konami, and they didn't like it. As a matter of fact, there's a really cool conspiracy theory that says that the uh, if you've ever played PT or or watched the videos for it, there's kind of a little bit of a monologue at the end from the point of view of uh, one of the evil ghost characters about how his dad killed them and you know he's gonna be back with his new toys well there's a fan theory out there that this is actually kojima's words in reference to the way konami is acting and that he knew that they were gonna you know kill their team and he was gonna be back anyway with an even better game so it's kind of cool to look at it that way i was like oh he knew all along that they were gonna axe them so he did this as a preemptive strike <laughs> all right then that's that's interesting uh we also had this week if you don't mind me moving on but we had this week the guardians of the galaxy volume 2 trailer drop and i know that you were you know super excited about this i mean i enjoyed it but uh would you like to talk some more about that i have the first one i never read the comics because i wasn't too into the like the fringe characters like that but I thought the movie was great. You know, good surprise, awesome use of music. And this trailer just really hit all the right spots. The visuals look amazing so far. You get to see some really interesting set pieces, uh, some kind of multi-dimensional platform, interesting uh, monsters that are mini-tentacled and big-mouthed. And uh, Baby Groot. Baby Groot's going to steal this show. You can already tell he's going to be a big part of this thing. Oh, yeah. They definitely... That trailer was definitely focusing on uh, Baby Groot quite a bit. So uh, I can't imagine him not being a big part of the movie, uh, so to speak. And, you know, once again, we see uh, Rocket building more bombs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, I can't wait for him and Tony Stark to meet. Oh man, I could just see him like rewiring the Iron Man outfit like while Tony is still wearing it and that'd just be hilarious. Give it an upgrade, yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> um No, but what I did want to talk about specifically is they I think 
what sold it for me was that final scene where if if you guys haven't seen the trailer yet what are you doing you know <laughs> go and watch it right away it's short but it's sweet but yeah that last scene which shows you some of the comedy of the movie just it i was in stitches laughing at that that was so perfectly placed uh, yeah basically no. the scene featuring drax uh laughing his ass off <laughs> <laughs> Something about the serious character just having a fit like that just made me really smile. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the the Wong character in Doctor Strange, you know, being the serious character and then laughing his butt off at the end when <laughs> when Doctor Strange makes the joke about having to read the whole thing before doing the spell. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, and I also wanted to kind of just touch up real briefly that those tentacled alien-looking things, um, it looks like they're coming out of portals, and this could be a bit of a stretch, but um, they, they really reminded me of a of a really kind of out-there character named Shuma Gorath. If you've ever played Marvel Superheroes, the arcade game, um, I think it's still available on Xbox Live, so if you... Uh, <laughs> Um, he's a character that basically looks like a starfish cross with a tent like octopus. And he's definitely kind of a fringe character. Doctor Strange has had some dealings with the, and it just kind of reminded me that they're finding something kind of like that. And this could be a way for them to start bridging the cosmic side of Marvel with, uh, the, the New York based side of Marvel movies, the C- the cinematic universe. Where, um, you know, we might start having interdimensional stuff crossing over and have uh, the eventual meetup happen between them. Because, you know, Thanos is going to have to be visiting all of their universes or sections of space to complete his little mission. Right. Uh, I mean, I would I would assume that Thanos is eventually going to make his way to New York because that's kind of the centerpiece of uh, most Marvel characters uh, and and stuff and and yeah you mentioning shuma gorath you know being usually more involved with uh dr strange i think that if at the end of dr strange we see he's talking to thor about helping him with loki when we know the next thor movie is going to have to do with space and then what if he goes with thor to space and then eventually meets up with uh his you know the guardians of the galaxy and then they have uh something to do with uh shumagorath you know that that i could definitely see all that happening well i want to see that happen now <laughs> and, then, uh, and also i want to go replay marvel superheroes so there's that to, to look forward to now <laughs> i have to say that the probably my favorite part of the trailer was when uh rocket you know is having is frustrated with uh baby groot trying to explain not to touch the button because it would kill everybody instantly and he says ah i'm gonna put some tape over this button and he asks star lord for some tape or if anybody has any tape and he's like look you're the one that carries parts to atomic bomb in your bag so if anybody would have tape it would be you and he's like ah that's true (laughs) you know basically uh well baby group is taking off with the bomb i just thought that was funny yeah the (laughs) I love that scene. Like, do not press this button. That will kill us all. Yeah. Uh, did yeah. you have anything oh, else the... that you wanted to go over? Uh, yeah, one last thing before we really hit the episode is, uh, as I've mentioned before in the past, 
Um, I'm a big fan of the game Hearthstone by Blizzard, uh, the online card game based on World of Warcraft. And uh, they just released uh, a new expansion for the for the cards. It's, it's got it. Oh, yeah, my baby's excited. <laughs> About, um, uh, let's see, new th- uh, there's a new theme called Mean Streets of Gadgetzan. And it introduces a new uh, couple of mechanics to the game, uh, which weren't available before, like uh, multi-class cards. Uh, before then, you either had class cards or neutral cards. Now you have cards that can be used by multiple classes, but not all. So it kind of adds a little more variety to the, the whole thing. Uh, so if you've been thinking about it or if you haven't played for a while, this could be a good chance to get back into it. And um, yeah, just by completing the introductory uh, missions, you will get like six free packs Uh and it's definitely a freemium game. You know, you can pay money to get more stuff, but it's absolutely not necessary. I would say like 80% of the game is free. So you never have to pay a dime and still get just as much fun as a, you know, somebody that wants to collect everything. All right. There you go. I mean, I personally have not played Hearthstone, but uh, I've no, I know a lot of people who have. So uh, interesting to know that they have a new, what was it, would it be, a DLC? Um, basically, yeah, it's like a new theme, a new expansion, you could expansion. say, yeah. That's probably uh, what I was looking for. It, and it is free, like I said, like 80% of it is free. You don't have to pay a single dime if you don't want to. Okay. Well, there you go. There's uh, some new stuff out there for every uh, version of Geek that you could geek out about. But let's go ahead and get on to uh, our episode of Westworld, and that would be episode 9. I did not... I don't remember what the name of the ti- the title of this episode was. Do you have it in front of you? The Well-Tempered Clavier. The Well-Tempered Clavier. All right. So uh, do you think, just just to start off, did, did you think that this held up to the episode 9 role that we usually get in Game of Thrones? Did we have a death of Ned Stark moment? Um, Not really. Uh, not, well... It's hard to say. It, yes and no, I want to say. And that's as, uh, committal, as committed as I can become to it because we had some huge reveals, although we kind of expected them or had like saw them coming a little bit. Um, See, okay, now... We I still think, don't have 100 per- I was just going to say, I think that oh, yeah? we, we... It's interesting because I think that because we're so plugged in, like you and I, I mean, like... And, and a lot of, I would say a lot of the hardcore fans, you know, they search out things on the internet, they they read articles and stuff like that, that maybe a lot of the stuff that happened wasn't a big reveal or a big shocking reveal because we had inklings of that idea already. But I think for the more casual watcher, I think like uh, Arnold being revealed or the Arnold Bernard connection being revealed was, uh, a, was a very big uh, Ned Stark dying moment. Yeah, uh, I mean, it definitely was. We, Like you said, we were expecting it. It's been something that we talked about and even joked about, and it turned out to be completely true, so I don't know if that took some of the edge off it. Um, but apparently a Redditor figured out Arnold's full name like four weeks ago, just based on an anagram of the fact that um, 
sure enough, it was based on Arnold's full name or Bernard's name. Like, he basically reverse engineered that if uh, if uh, Bernard's full name was Bernard Lowe, and you take the letters from there to make Arnold, the letters you have left over would spell out the last name Weber, which turned out to be exactly right. <laughs> Wait, do we know, um, do we know that that Weber is uh, his last name? Yes, in the scene where Dolores is now made it to the the church, and we'll get to that more linearly later. Um, but when she's going down through the tunnels and retracing her steps to uh, that one room, right on the door, it does in fact say Arnold Weber. Oh, I, I missed that completely. But there you go, Ana- anagrams. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I distinctly remember it. I think it was in our last uh, podcast. We were wondering, well, could Bernard be an anagram of Arnold? And I wanted to believe that the show was going to be a little more clever than that but nope it was exactly right no 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 yeah it's exactly there it's right there (laughs) and somebody made a comment about that that uh if you try digging too deep in some of this stuff that you end up just kind of burning yourself out because you know your expectation will never meet you know reality essentially right uh so somebody actually had the interesting um advice of watching shows like this which was just enjoy the show don't try to like you know solve every little thing you know before it happens sometimes you just kind of let it wash over you and i was like huh but then uh where's the fun in that no i mean i i I would i kind of would say that i i'm of of both mindsets uh i would def i definitely like to shows like this i like to watch and observe and maybe try and figure things out for myself or whoever it is that I'm talking to about the show. But I don't dig too deep. I don't go into articles. I don't go into eh, into Reddit so much. At least just not as far as maybe you. But uh, I do like to try and figure things out and see if the clues are there that ri- the writers have left things for me to pick up on. Which I think this show does very well. And for the casual watcher, I think they can enjoy it just as is because you get you you automatically the show is written to give you that sense of mystery for you to try and figure things out on your own and uh the casual watcher will will subconsciously even try and figure things out on their own but you know you don't they don't have to go digging deep but then the person who wants to go dig deep uh there's you know i, I imagine there's plenty out there there's probably some type of uh arg sites for westworld that that are kind of cool yeah, I mean, there's definitely the the fan community there is pretty awesome. The stuff that they come up with, the theories and the memes. I mean, the memes alone are worth it. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for uh, uh, Reddit, like you spoke about a couple weeks ago, we wouldn't have we wouldn't heard about that uh, deleted scene of them taking those paintings and doing something with them. You know. Yeah, that was a really cool one. I still haven't caught where exactly in the show that happened so i'm thinking that might be a deleted scene or maybe i just missed where it originally occurred if it happened at all it must have been in one of the early episodes um no that was a really cool one i would say that it had it hasn't happened because i I don't remember seeing it anywhere and i would say it's probably definitely a deleted scene that uh uh jonathan nolan let us see and is probably going to be on the dvd somewhere or the blu-ray somewhere yeah uh definitely 
we'll want to see if they have special features and stuff like that when that comes out on video. Uh, cool. Um, so we, we want to start right at the beginning where Maeve is being evaluated by uh, Bernard? Yeah, where we left her off in the previous episode, she was being uh, captured again by the behavior team, it seems, because she was killing uh, replacement Clementine. Um, so yeah, here she is being examined directly by Bernard. Once again, uh, Delo's security being top-notch. They're completely unsupervised. And um, she recognized he's a host. You know, she's that's smart now with her bulk app perception being a hundred percent, and uh, basically wakes him up again. Um, makes him realize he's a host. He has a little panic attack, but she freezes his motor functions. Right. And uh, basically says, "All right, go on your way now. I'm gonna go back to, and uh, and do my thing." Uh, which basically sets off their two separate storylines in motion once more. She goes back without getting decommissioned, basically. And he goes on a little mission to dig up some dirt on Ford so that he could set him up for uh, an interesting conversation a little bit later. Yes. And then we see Maeve uh, basically back inside Westworld going to Hector's encampment after he's already robbed the saloon again and uh they are having a problem opening the safe and she is basically waking him up telling him you know this is what's going to happen to your little group they're going to kill each other and you'll see what's you know the big secret inside the the safe and uh eventually when he opens the safe and sees there's nothing in there and she's like see it's that's every time you're going to kill your guys you're gonna kill yourselves over this for nothing absolutely literally nothing inside the safe yep she tells them this is where your story ends like no matter what like there's no getting out of it this is what's written for you and you know at first he doesn't understand but you know she proves it and she also says like i could just tell you guys you know what to do but i want you to be cognizant of your own like make your own decision basically um, but first, she had to wake him up, which it seems like she she does. Um, so this is the beginning of her amassing her army. It looks like yes. Uh, she says, uh, you know, yeah, you're right. Shows him that there's nothing in the safe, and you know, first of all, he's crushed by that, and also he's a little bit shocked that everything played out exactly like she said. You know, like the, the two other nameless minions just kind of kill themselves. And it's supposed to end with Armistice and himself basically shooting each other at the same time. But Maeve takes care of Armistice, and that leaves the two of them. And she says, uh, yeah, so we're going to have to go to hell and meet our demons uh, in order to break free from this place. And uh, then they have some pretty hot sex, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and you mean literally, because she sets the the tent on fire that they're inside of as they're having sex. And, uh, uh, I mean, obviously that's going to mean that they're going to burn and then have to be collected by the behavior team and then reset and fixed up and then put back out. And I assume at this point when she's collected by the, her and Hector are collected by the behavior team is when she because she'll be awake she'll wake him up and then he'll see what's going on have memories of his past deaths probably uh and then they'll 
they'll start to do whatever they're going to do on the top side or bottom side, however you want to see it. Um, <laughs> now, this is where I thought it was interesting because in an earlier episode when we saw the man in black breaking Hector out of jail, he had his cigars. His cigars have <laughs> explosives in it. And the, the, the showrunner of the show made it a point to show us that uh, when there is an explosion, that something uh, the the uh, I don't know what the quality the qual- the QA team has to approve the explosion. Now you have to take into account that the man in black is a, is a newcomer or an actual person, so they probably have to you know uh, account for that because uh, a person's there and could get hurt. But when we're shown that that he is that. Everything down to, you know, that minutia is uh, approved and accounted for on the control side. I have to wonder if the fire is also uh, approved by QA. Like, if it, they, they see it as, hey, someone is, uh, you know, a fire is about to happen, is it going to be okay? And if it is, then they say, yeah, and they it, it happens. So, which makes me think in the longer game that everything is approved like everything is monitored everything is watched everything that we think is happening because of free will with Maeve or Dolores or uh, whoever else is all approved and watched watched and monitored and and everything is happening because they want they want it to happen or you know at the very top Ford wants it to happen maybe this is all part of his new narrative that he's supposedly creating yeah yeah just like no matter what you do everything is accounted for or there's some kind of contingency for it so like if you were if it was a human well i said that with a lot a strong h there didn't i <laughs> you did um, a human uh if there was a, a living person uh, a newcomer inside that tent with mave maybe there would be some sort of sprinkler system that would act like rain or a strong gust of wind or something would happen automatically like suddenly so yeah, like they probably have that that a, a certain level of control because yeah, like the the hosts or the the newcomers rather, um, you can't get killed. You can get hurt. The further out you go from the center hub of Sweetwater, they've made it a point to say the more dangerous it is, but you still can't get killed. You know, like we've already seen um, get uh, beaten up and possibly even cut. Uh, and hurt for sure, but yeah, you no matter what, you still can't get killed. So, yeah, there's definitely something going on that's um, that will protect you, and and that does come into question. Then, so how much freedom do you really have if everything like that is is already you know documented and pre-approved? Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, I thought to me that was a very interesting scene, and and that's that's the me that when watching it still still trying to subconsciously or consciously think about uh, what is being shown to us and and if it it means anything else. So uh, it's definitely uh, interesting, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. Now changing uh, the subject just slightly um when we see the man in black again he's uh he's waking up or 
talking to uh, whatever the um, at the camp, and you see that you have some of the uh, I don't know what they are the the Wyatt's crew or whoever they are. Um, they're basically like disemboweling and deboning the uh, the other hosts that were there, as, like to basically be bait. And it was kind of an interesting thing, like you said, that the showrunner shows us certain minutia and everything means something. Right. Well, you see, you see one scene real quick of one of the Wyatt uh, characters or gang members taking the finger bones out of one of the the dead hosts. And somebody on Reddit made the comparison to. Um, I think it was the movie AI with uh, Jude Law and Haley Joel Osment. And uh, there's a scene in that movie where you see some robots um, or androids, whatever they were, getting um, scavenged by other robots for parts. Right. And somebody said, what if these guys are old hosts that have woken up? And that's why they don't seem to respond to the rules. Like they don't, well, they can be shot, but they don't, you know, die. Or it's it's definitely a lot harder to kill them, at least, like we saw in the last episode. Um, yeah, but what if these are hosts that have been surviving based on, like, basically on scraps? So what they were doing here was they were gutting these other hosts' bodies as replacements. So when we see a big reveal in the next episode, we'll see that these characters are actually like a mixture of different body parts, almost like Frankenstein's monsters that uh, are keeping themselves patched up and, and together uh, because they no longer belong in the system. Yeah. I like that idea because uh, I mean, why else do they wear this like full on, uh, you know, body uh, disguising enclosure outfits where you don't get to see any part of them. And that would make sense because, uh, you know, th once they wake up, they, they would realize that they don't really, they aren't really feeling pain. It's just, you know, they're ones and zeros telling them that they're supposed to experience pain. So they're not actually dying, but there are parts do need to be replaced because they've been broken or damaged or whatever. And that's what they're doing. They're, uh, cannibalizing yeah, they, the fallen host. They need some. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, thanks Reddit for those kinds of ideas getting planted in there, because uh, once again, it could be one of those things where it sets up an expectation that might never actually come true, but it's fairly good food for thought, you know. I was like, huh, well, I mean, in a situation like this, I could see that happening. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, going on with the man in black, he then uh, is basically put back to sleep or knocked out by... The female host, I don't know if they've actually given her a name or not, uh, but he, uh, and she, before right before she does it, she, you know, once again, gives out the line that the, the maze isn't meant for you, and uh, I have an idea about that now, because uh, I think, I mean, obviously, when we see Dolores' storyline later, uh, as she's gone through the maze... It's not a physical maze, and I think we've all kind of figured that out since the beginning, that it's not a physical maze. It's more of a, a metaphorical maze, or it's like the maze of your memory, basically. Like, 
the the ones that are waking up or sentient or whatever they they are going through the all these old memories that they have that uh, should have been wiped out but are are literally leading them to the path of uh, being awakened or uh, sentient or whatever have you and obviously you know uh, the man in black is the man in black isn't going to have to go through that type of maze to try and figure out who he is that's literally only something that these robots would have to do i mean he knows who he is or at least he's found who he is uh in westworld because he he says he's a different man there than he is in the real world yeah and also (laughs) this is a bit more on the flipping side but uh, what if it turned out that the maze is actually spelled m-i- M-A-I-Z. So it actually means corn. The answer is in the corn. <laughs> Have we seen any corn yet? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so, actually. That was just kind of a little funny thing, I thought. Like, oh. <laughs> I mean, yes, we are just assuming that it's M-A-Z-E. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I think that would be... If, if if they didn't do it, they should at least put out a little bit of, a little like easter egg joke of you know the in the final episode where they're walking past like some corn crops and just like uh you know not really bring any uh uh spotlight to it just kind of like walk past them yeah and then somebody hears the voice of arnold say if you build it they will come (laughs) all right now we're just getting into all kinds of crossovers (laughs) Yeah, I want to say everything's related. So then uh, when uh, the Man in Black wakes up again, he's has the noose tied around his neck, and uh, he the, the knife is just in reaching grasp, but the horse is also attached to the other end of the, the rope. And as he gets closer to the knife, the, the horse is getting a little bit more and more spooked and is uh, about to run off, and he grabs the knife. The horse runs off. As he's uh, running away, the, uh, he's being dragged back to be hung by the tree. He uh, he cuts it just in time to fall onto his knees. Now, that I assume that's the horse that he's been riding most of this show. Why? I mean, do you think that the the female host reprogrammed it to do something like that, or or what? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we all we've seen how easily they can repurpose hosts uh, for whatever task is at hand. So. I definitely can see that being that's how that plays out. Okay. So uh and and they left uh they left Teddy's body there. So I I mean obviously she said that you'll have to die again to to figure it out or something like that, but uh you know, I, I that assume that means a QA team is gonna eventually come and pick him up and then take him back to get fixed up so that he can ride his, the train back into t- to Sweetwater again tomorrow. Yeah, that uh, at first I, I thought a couple of things about that. I'm like, well, it seems like they're way out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but then we also have um, Charlotte. That's her name, right? Charlotte? Yeah, Charlotte. I keep forgetting her name. She's such a forgettable character. <laughs> um, but yeah, she shows up and she's dressed in like civvies. And she says, like, I don't like being out here, especially dressed like this. But, uh, you know. Then they have a little conversation about, uh, you know, out, outing Ford from the, the company. Um, but if she was able to get out there in high heels and a black dress and not look the least bit dirty, 
I think it was a similar situation. They probably have, at this point, I'm convinced they have to be in some kind of like circular, uh, uh, what do you call it? A satellite similar to like Elysium, right? Where they just have like a vast underground network of like high speed trains to get you to locations. Because um, how else could she get out in the middle of nowhere so fast and not show any sign of travel wear? Right. Yeah, there's probably an elevator that popped up nearby. So, yeah, they probably have a QA team go out and collect the dead bodies and uh, just take them away. Other than that, the other possibility would be that if a host dies, like Teddy, way out in the middle of nowhere, they just reload his last like saved consciousness into a new body and just leave the other one to rot out there and just decompose or whatever i could see so, that but i would i would think that you wouldn't i mean if the chance that the next teddy bot goes on an adventure with a newcomer all the way out there for whatever reason and he sees his dead body it, it could really upset the storyline so i i think your your theory the first one of the qa team is just uh, you know, has a GPS on him, and they're waiting. They're waiting for a nightfall to come pick him up. Is is more likely? Yeah, you definitely don't see it happen. Although, <laughs> that brings up another point: is um, unless they removed Ford or not Ford, uh, the Man in Black from the original location where like Teddy's body was, you would think the QA team would like make sure the noose wasn't around his neck. True. Otherwise, they kind of just left them there like that. That was kind of interesting. It was like, <laughs> all right, we can't disturb the storyline as it's happening, even though this guy's obviously very close to potentially getting hung or something. <laughs> um, yeah, because the knife was still in Teddy's body, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so that's where. He, no, so the body was still there. So I would, I would just have to assume well, that the horse, even though it was told to to pull on the rope. You know, it's still a computer, so it still knows that it can't harm uh, a newcomer or human. So it would, it gives the illusion of the, it, it, like he literally waited until he had the knife to, to run away. So it, it, it has the illusion of danger, but I think that the danger is never actually there. There's fail safes to keep it from happening. So if, <laughs> so if you could look into the horse's mind, he's thinking, all right, does he have the knife yet? I almost got it. <laughs> All right, now it's my time to shine. Exactly. That, that's exactly <laughs> what I, I'm thinking. I mean, we're 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 playing it as it's a real horse, but, uh, yeah. But I mean, it's still just a computer, and it has its fail safes, and it's, you know, it knows what it's supposed to do and what it's not supposed to do. Can you imagine a, a self-aware horse, that actually is sentient, <laughs> and like he can do anything but talk, like Mister Ed. Like he <laughs> understands entirely exactly what you're saying, and just. That would be too cool. It'd be like a, a horse like Brave Star where like they give him a special brace and he can walk on hind legs. Yeah. Uh, I was funny that you brought that up. I was thinking about Brave Star earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> well, who doesn't think about Brave Star at least once a day? Yeah, uh, Tex yeah. Hex and all that. There you go. You're you're right. You're absolutely right. Um so uh, with that end of that conversation, uh, the man in black does tell Charlotte that he doesn't care about the storylines that Ford is involved in, only the storylines. Well, he doesn't say Arnold, but he just says the other storylines, and uh, he's okay with them pushing Ford out. So 
uh, essentially, she, he Charlotte has his vote from the board, and he tells her to leave him alone and not interrupt his game ever again. Uh, so he still sees it as a as a game, and we have to mention that earlier the female host that that knocked him out had said that uh, they need to go to the city buried in sand. Now we have to. He uh, the man in black says that I, I know that city, and you know we know it. We've seen it buried in sand. We've seen it unburied in sand, and. This episode we see even more so with when Dolores gets there. Yeah, I don't remember if they had a name for it, but sure enough, it's the town that seems to be where everything started. Uh, now it's literally a ghost town, but you do see a couple more flashbacks. Um, an interesting scene of Dolores going in from an old memory and seeing a bunch of the old hosts kind of having a spiritual awakening of sorts um, claiming they were hearing the voice of God or something and I guess we're led to believe that they were hearing Arnold or something like that and uh, these guys were just basically becoming religiously fanatical because of that experience right um, but before we get to that point yeah we, we go back to William and Teddy's uh, storyline or not Teddy, uh, Logan. Logan. William and Logan. Um, they're now being held hostage at the the Confederados uh, encampment. Well, you also have to take into account that Logan is now one of the leaders of the Confederados. So we did see him getting beat up by the Confederados back at Pariah, but now he's kind of leading them. Yes, and he's wearing what looks like a, a little like Hand of the King pin on his shirt. I noticed that too. I was going to say something about it, but uh, yeah, it's obviously some type of pin that distinguishes him as a higher rank, but it does look a lot like the Hand of the King. Yeah, and he makes a little comment about like, oh, they made me a major or a general, something like that. <laughs> to which is like, is that supposed to be a reference to the Pirates of Penzance? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, he, I mean, he basically is having a great time. He's loving, you know, his experience, but he wants to get William out of this funk of believing Dolores is a real person or, you know, uh, and not falling in love with her. So he, he has her held up, restrained, while he takes out a very familiar-looking knife and stabs her right in the gut. You know, kind of, uh, it, it, if it was a real person, it would probably it'd basically be disemboweling her. But he opens it up, he opens up the wound, the skin, and you see all the metal mechanical parts moving back and forth, which, you know, is interesting because we know that only the, the newer models, or not the newer models, but the old models when they were... Uh, first being made were used with mechanical parts and even the man in black said that he said he, he says that to Teddy he says you know the inside of you guys used to be metal and moving and all kinds of stuff now you have these new bodies they it just doesn't seem as, as right yeah they're much more frail and less uh, sophisticated because they're just skin and bones now so yeah, that was kind of an interesting one, and it was very kind of hard to watch too. It was like, <laughs> like he's having like fun. He's kind of threatening, like he's gonna rape her. And then he's like saying he's gonna gut her, and 
and yeah like as if to prove to william was like look it's 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 not real snap out of it slices her stomach open spreads it apart and yeah you see the stuff in there and uh dolores has like a little moment of like uh awakening right then and there as well uh takes the knife slashes him across the cheek uh logan that is and makes a run for it and what's funny is the whole time the confederados are just kind of hanging around watching this but not really taking part and he finally says like go after her and that's when they finally kick into action so kind of interesting that they decided to kind of just hang back and let everything play out until they were told to do something about it um and uh sure enough william uh, it, this looks like it breaks william um you know he kind of has a moment where he's like you're right what was i thinking i just got really wrapped up and logan actually seems happy about all of this he was like hey you had an experience man like that's what this place is for. That's kind of awesome. Like we're bros now. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Logan kind of you know equates it to that we've lived through something together. Now we we're, we're brothers, and you know you're literally going to be my brother. You remember my sister that you're going to marry? And he pulls the picture out of uh, William's. Uh, or no, he pulls the picture out of his own breast pocket that he puts into William's breast pocket, and it's a picture that we saw earlier in the season. It is the picture of the woman in a. Obviously, the background kind of looks like a, a city cityscape kind of looking thing, and uh, it's the one that broke Dolores's original father robot. And uh, now, I think um, it's literally. I think that is the moment that we're supposed, as watchers, supposed to connect the fact that this is two points in uh, a, uh, one timeline. You know what I mean? That that's what yeah. we've been watching. Yeah, because when you first see that photograph, it's obviously a lot older and worn. And here, you can tell it's brand new and shiny and still has that glossy look from the one-hour photo. Yeah. Um, and who doesn't carry a picture of their sister? <laughs> the dimensions would be a full-size photograph in their pocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a, it, it did seem a little weird. and It's almost like he knew that he was going to have to use that on William at some point. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think the idea that we finally... It's finally revealed uh, is, is interesting, especially since a lot of fans and a lot of people on, online have come to that theory and that realization a lot longer back and uh that we've been watching um two timelines or or three if you if you might because uh, i still think that earlier when uh you saw bernard or now we know arnold talking to uh dolores that was probably right before or as we now know right after arnold died yeah that's uh <laughs> Uh, which is a whole nother thing in and of itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess wrapping up real quick on the. Um, oh, excuse me. Um, sorry, I have to stifle the sneeze there. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. If we go back into the the Dolores storyline for just a quick moment, uh, because then you start having the Bernard and the Dolores stuff kind of happening simultaneously here. Well, wait. Before you get on um, with that. Just to finish up with William and Logan, you know, uh, Logan obviously goes and and he now that he's happy with uh, William, you know, 
you know, that he thinks the two of them are closer. He drinks himself into a stupor for the night, and he wakes up the next morning, and he sees all the Confederados have been killed. Uh, and as he makes his way over to William, William is sitting there, and he's like, ah, you're finally awake. And he throws him on the ground, puts the knife to his neck, and says, don't ever call me Billy again. So, obviously, he's become more of a assertive alpha male at this point because he's either really upset with him about what he did with Dolores or he's just tired of taking Logan's crap. Yeah, I felt he kind of just had the... He had, like, a universal soldier moment where <laughs> he was one step away from wearing all of these uh, hosts' ears like a <laughs> necklace. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So like he just went full on sociopath. If we we are to assume that the man in black and William are the same person, obviously he now has the knife that we see the man in black have. He ha you know, he's been reminded of of his soon to be wife and obviously we've seen from dialogue in previous episodes Logan is still going to be uh William's boss in the real world, but yet the man in black is obviously the, the head of either Delos or some other company that's going to be owning Westworld, uh, the park. So do you think that a, he is going to eventually kill Logan or is he just going to outlive Logan at some point in the real world or what? Well, that leaves a lot to uh, speculation. I mean, it, it could be that maybe Logan has an untimely demise within Westworld in the season finale. We'll find out shortly about that. Or, yeah, maybe he just uh, inherited the position based on the fact that he's marrying into this family that has a huge stake in Westworld. Um, I'm guessing he's going to probably come back now that he's had this experience and he's going to be just like a lot more business savvy or like a lot more cutthroat, you know, literally <laughs> and uh, <laughs> figuratively. Uh, so he might come back with some power plays to uh, take control or have more control in his own life. Okay. Uh, then, as you were saying, you know, Dolores, after she ran away from the camp, she uh, she kind of, it seems like she's succumbing to the wound that she had, the, the gutting that she, you know, took in. And then she falls to the ground, wakes up. She no longer has the wound, and she walks into the town that was buried by the, by the sand. And that's when you see all the people that are... Uh, and I think basically what you're seeing is her having memory flashbacks. Yeah, she's, uh, she's remembering things simultaneously, it looks like. Um, where, yeah, she's getting glimpses of the past, and... Uh, now, I have to say, for a town that's been unearthed, you know, like literally the whole thing was under sand just until recently, um, the, the cleanup crew does a really good job of dusting everything off to like pristine condition. Yes, exactly. And, and also repairing the, the, the steeple because when we saw it was under sand, I mean, it was bare bones. So, yeah. Yeah, obviously it's been put back together really well. Now, I think that would take into account that Ford used a lot of hosts to do all the jo those jobs and, you know, as a, as an android, you can uh they or a robot, you know, they could 
do that stuff quickly and all through the night and stuff. So it doesn't really, you don't, they don't have to take breaks. They don't have to, you know, go to the bathroom, eat food or anything like that. They just keep working. So I can see it happening. Just, it still probably take a lot of time. Yeah. And we don't know for sure exactly because of the weird janky timeline thing they're playing around with exactly how much time is passing. Um, we know it's been at least a, a couple of days with the Man in Black since there's been some day-night cycles going on. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of confusing. I'm curious to see how exactly the whole thing plays out there. But, yeah, you see Dolores show up in the town. As she's walking through the town, she uh, sees uh, glimpses of, like, the massacre that happened before. Now, what's interesting, too, is that it looks like this is the exact same town where the Wyatt massacre happened. And I believe it was also earlier in this episode uh, with uh, the the blonde host telling Teddy, uh, I was like, so what exactly happened? And he has a memory of, you know, this big shootout happening. And then she says, but that's not how it really happened, is it? And right. that seems to jog his memory, doesn't yeah, it? Right, because he's having this memory of Wyatt killing a bunch of uh, a bunch of his uh army fellows uh in a town and then he says that Wyatt told him to also kill kill them and he felt like uh something had taken him over some devil had taken made him start doing what what it is that he didn't want to do and start killing other soldiers and uh that's when the female says but that's not exactly what happened right and then as he goes back into the memory he's no longer wearing his union uh army member outfit uniform he's now wearing a sheriff's uniform or uh, he's wearing his regular clothes but like with a sheriff uh, star on and he's killing innocent people he's killing townsfolk and stuff so i think that goes back to the idea that what you said uh, in a previous podcast that wyatt might actually just be dolores and uh when ford decided to give him a new more uh powerful backstory or mysterious backstory uh he used the corn the 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 memory that was already there and then tweaked it a little bit so that instead of dolores it's wyatt and uh he he instead of killing a bunch of townsfolk he killed a whole bunch of uh soldiers so because as we we learn from the conversations between wondering dolores had the power that nave has right now of telling others to do stuff for her yeah, exactly. So that's what, definitely what the the devil uh, taking me over kind of conversation would be about. Yeah. So wouldn't that be conflicting? You know, the the love of his life is actually the the worst person he's ever known. Technically, <laughs> uh, actually, then, that kind of sounds realistic. <laughs> uh, then, I mean, you'd also have to take into uh, account that. Um, you know what ford was telling bernard when he was going through his memories or whatever you know like because bernard asked him why would you give me this memory and he says what a memory of a child he says no the death of a child and he says well you know all of them have to have a cornerstone memory that that creates their character it creates who they are and uh, i think this is uh, similar this is now teddy's cornerstone memory is that he had to do this terrible thing for wyatt but as we're learning it's actually for dolores so, I, as you were trying to, you were stating earlier that you know, 
the this scene that Dolores is having her memories is also intermixed with what Ford and and uh, Bernard are doing, where he's trying to remember who he is and we find out that ford created bernard in the image of arnold because he wanted to have his friend back he wanted to have his partner back someone that would work with him as as opposed to where arnold eventually started going the opposite direction and saying you know what we're doing is wrong or you know something like that yeah so i guess that's a good way to cross over to that uh, whole section of the story now um yeah, so you have uh, once Bernard's been reawakened by Maeve, he goes on a little like mission to lure Ford down to the the I guess the the storage room with all the bodies, right? And uh, basically keeps him hostage down there. You know, trains a gun on him, says, "You know, you can't shoot me," and says, "You're right." And then he calls in Clementine, who is a uh, Although somewhat lobotomized, is still functional. Like she's basically just like a clean slate now. And uh, he says, "Well, she can shoot you because uh, you know she doesn't have those safety protocols anymore. She's just a shell. So all she's there for is just to kind of keep the gun on Ford and shoot Ford if uh, he tries to leave. You know, things. Yeah, if things don't go according to to Bernard's plan." So Bernard wants Ford to uh, re-access all of his memories that are being suppressed. And Ford's like, are you sure you really want to see that? You know, like, you might not like what you find. And uh, he says, yes, I want to see everything. So, you know, he starts going backwards and he relives the memory of the sun. But this time a little bit differently. He can actually manipulate the memory and realize like, oh, yeah, this, this really didn't happen. And, uh, so I have, to, th- also I have to interject so- here. I want to. I want to think that in the dream, because in the memory, when he's reading to his son, he is reading uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland or Alice Through the Looking Glass. Uh, I never, I never really understood what the difference between the two are, but I know they're two different stories. But he's talking about the Mad Hatter, and you know, you know what's real and what's not real. And I mean, obviously, that has to be significant to what we've seen in the show so far, right? Yeah, where. Um- He's basically having a similar conversation with Dolores um, in the earlier episode. Um, And she asks him about his dead son, and that kind of freaks him out a little bit. uh, Because I think he also noticed a parallel, although we didn't at the time. Uh, Yeah, there's definitely some kind of... Maybe the son represents Dolores, or uh, it represents... um, like Arnold's original vision for Westworld. And, uh, you know, he saw, he, he basically had to watch his, his, uh, metaphorical son die. So this became, you know, like you said, the cornerstone memory, right? That, uh, his whole thing, his old existence is built upon. So as we see, uh, you know, for, uh, Bernard going through these memories, we eventually see him, you know, uh, have being told by Robert or Ford who he is. And he says, you know, you're, you are my, uh, new partner. You look like my old partner. So your name's going to be Bernard instead of Arnold. And then he shows him a picture and it's young Anthony Hopkins or young Ford. It's Bernard, it's Bernard as Arnold. 
and then a third guy. I don't. Do we know who that third guy is? The guy in the middle was the guy that plays uh, Ford's father in that little host family that's in the like off the res project. Oh, was it? Interesting. Yeah. I must. So, not... yeah, when we first see that picture early on, uh, Ford says, uh, "Yeah, so my, me and my partner Arnold." Uh, you know, we built this place, and he shows the picture to Bernard, and Bernard sees just two people. He sees younger Ford, and then the man that we eventually come to find out is actually uh, uh, the host that plays the the father to to Ford. Oh, so that uh, was more of the whole we don't see, they don't see the things that could hurt them conversation. Exactly. Kind of yeah, because if you look at that old picture now, and you can see that it's framed kind of weird because there's just like a big empty space on the right-hand side of the picture. Now you can see that it's because that's where Bernard was, or Arnold was. And Bernard didn't, wouldn't see the Arnold character because it would freak him out and, it, yeah, shut him down probably. So interesting. I'm, I'm surprised I didn't remember that from an earlier episode, but I'm glad that uh, you were on top of that. So. Because uh, I was oh, really, thanks, rack- I was still. Oh, thanks, Reddit. I was really uh, racking my brain of who this third person is going to be. If it's going to be another partner, if it's going to be some storyline for the next season. But uh, I guess I just didn't realize that was also the father uh, host. So it must have been a picture they took when he was creating the father host for, for Ford, or presenting it to him like a present. Yeah, it's like here, here's your alcoholic father that you so fondly remember. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that, you know, that's all intercut with uh, Dolores, you know, making her way down to the basement of the the church, and as she makes it into the glass room, she sits down in the chair, and we hear a familiar voice, and it it's Bernard's voice, but it's actually Arnold's voice, and he gets her to remember the fact that she can't, he can't help really help her with anything because he's dead. Yep. <laughs> He's not actually there anymore, which is interesting because in retrospect now, um, if we look back at all those scenes where Ford is ta- or uh, Bernard is talking to Dolores in that glass room, uh, that underground chamber, uh, that might have actually been Arnold, right. like while he was still alive talking to her, not Bernard. Or those are all scenes from this particular moment true like this kind of like a weird flashback but then the flashback or flash forward from the present i don't know like that's the way that's the difficult part of this show now that that we know we're dealing with a janky timeline or a a, a different points in the same timeline we we don't know what when what happened where but yes that could be when he was arnold and he was trying to explain to her that you need to find you know the the maze you need to you need to figure this stuff out or uh, that could be the beginning of the conversation when she made her way down there and she because she's wearing that dress and uh, he's telling her you need to go through the maze and the, that's what literally the maze is is her going through her memories to try and figure everything out and then eventually when she has gone through the maze she has all of her memories and then she can leave and you know that's uh, what that Arnold ghost in the shell kind of thing is supposed to do it's supposed to set them on their way through the maze yeah, uh, the more I think about it, I'm thinking that the the real rift that occurred between Arnold and Ford, because it it seems by all accounts from what I gather now that 
Arnold was the real genius of all of this. Um, like, I think Ford was more like the technical guy, um, you know, because you see a lot of the designs for the bodies and like the mechanical components. It seems like that's what that's what uh, Ford's strength was. But Bernard or Arnold's uh, role was in the designing of their minds. I'm thinking uh, the big rift that happened between the two of their ideologies was um, that Arnold eventually wanted the host to be alive. Like he wanted them to have full consciousness. And uh, that didn't fit well with whatever else either Delos or Ford had in mind for the for the park. You know, it was like that, uh, you know, was not part of the plan or it didn't gel with whatever it is their end goal was originally supposed to be. And that's why Arnold had to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I think that's definitely uh, something that definitely could have been the reason why they broke up and then his either killed himself or was killed uh, as could be uh, as we see eventually with uh, when Ford reveals that he still had control of the situation in that room the whole time he made uh, Clementine put down the gun because he built in a back door to her programming uh, and he eventually told uh, Bernard to put the gun to his head and as soon as he leaves the room uh, kill himself so there was the death of Bernard right there now is that going to be a full on death is he going to bring him back and be like erase a lot of the memories or what do you think well we definitely know that simply getting shot in the head doesn't kill you kill you they can definitely patch you up from that which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me because you see um <laughs> like you you see the they can basically wipe out your whole like everything if they just stick a little screw up your nose and scramble your brain right but you see hosts get shot in the head all the time yes so it's like is there a specific spot they have to hit in order to do that, like a reset switch or okay, uh, is there? <laughs> well, this okay. So then I have this for you. Uh, the gun that they're using in that scene has a has the inside of the barrel is red. Now, in the real world, in our world, the world that we actually live in, a fake gun has a as a red cap on the barrel, right? Because right. toy guns, they don't want people to mistake toy guns for real guns. In this world, yep. the Westworld world. Uh, the guns that are used in Westworld are fake, but they look real. Whereas the guns that are used in the facility are real, but they have the red, the red barrel. So, in Westworld, when you're in the park, if you shoot at a host, you're shooting in a general direction. We can't assume that the these actual newcomers are good at at firing a gun, as opposed to maybe the Man in Black. Man in Black might actually be good at firing a gun. But there might be squibs inside the ho the heads of uh, the hosts that go off to core to co to to go with uh, the gun being fired. But this is a real gun that Bernard just put up to his head, so uh, that's a real bullet that's going to be coming out of there. You understand what I'm saying? Ah, uh, I see. So I mean, there is yeah. A so chance. this did real damage, not 
yeah yeah not the pre-programmed damage that would happen if you shot a uh, host in the west world i see so i think that okay i so. think this would this definitely could be the end of bernard we might not see jeffrey wright coming back for season two however uh or at least not coming back as bernard however he would he could come back as as the ghost of arnold he could i, I don't see why you know ford couldn't just rebuild another uh another uh bernard and then put a backdated os inside of him i guess is the best way to put it I think that was heavily implied too that this isn't the first time this has happened. Um, I mean, we've seen as such because you know he had the awakening in the last episode where he realized he killed uh, Therese. Oh, true. and then he basically just yeah, and then he deleted his memories. Um, so this is one of those cases where he just got a little further along. And he just basically has to start over because I mean, it, I would find it hard to believe that he's kept bernard around this long only to now finally get rid of him and yeah. basically be like well i don't need you anymore i've done everything i needed yeah yeah i i think that i think you're right in that in that aspect he probably will rebuild him but he does leave him down there so that's odd too yeah and but at the same time that seems to be the only place that uh what's his name uh Ford likes to go down to although there was another interesting thing I believe happened in this episode where you have um, the writer Lee and Charlotte go down and pull two bodies from from the uh, from among the 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 bodies there one I, of them being the old uh, Dolores father host yeah, actually, that was last ep- last week's episode. But you're right. We oh, that was we, last week. Yeah, we didn't talk about that last week. But you're right. We, they did, uh, and and the heavily imply is that they're going to use that that bot to relay messages like they were using the old woodcarver. Ah, that's what that was. Yeah, you're right. That these episodes are starting to blend together with the messed up timeline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like I'm not sure what comes first and all that. So the the season finale, which is uh, the next episode, is supposed to be ninety minutes long, I believe. Um, anything in particular you're hoping to see, or you know, planning to see? Yes, I really, really hope that my theory uh, that this is a satellite or possibly another planet is uh, is true, and the way I hope that gets revealed is you have Maeve making her way with like a, a group of uh, awakened hosts, uh, you know, making their way through their facility, uh, maybe even getting on that Hyperloop train and, you know, kind of going away from the main hub, only to reach what basically looks like a spaceport. And you see like ships flying in and out. And then the outside, you see outer space, maybe even a planet or the moon, you know, showing that they're definitely not on Earth. Because I think that would make the whole the name of Westworld have like a whole new meaning, and not only that, but also opens up the possibility of there being you know Roman world and medieval world as well somewhere out in space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, if we have a bunch of a bunch of uh, hosts awakening or you know coming to fruition, we have to wonder what 
season two is going to hold and if that means that we will have to re-see everything happen again on different worlds i think that would be kind of a a detriment to the st- the, the show itself but uh well, I, I i i can't wait to find out what what does happen in the season finale yeah it's like i mean for as much as we already suspect will happen um there's just so many directions that can go. I mean, they, they already said they have like a full five season storyline planned out. So, I mean, four more seasons of like, what could they possibly do to to pat this out even more? They definitely would have to go in an interesting direction. I don't think we're going to be confined to just Westworld because the original movie of Westworld wasn't confined to just Westworld. Exactly. Okay. Uh, anything else that you wanted to go over in this particular episode? as we wrap up uh yeah so basically once dolores has her vision and realizes oh you know arnold or bernard can't help her because he's already dead like she has that realization uh she goes back up to the church uh you know through that whole thing now it it was interesting to note that while she's going down in her memory actually it's not even really clear if it's the memory or if it's the first time she's or, or if it's the present that she's going down in there but there's a lot of dead bodies kind of strewn about, like something major just went down, and that's interspersed with memories of people doing busy work in the background, like testing out um, hosts, you know, the hosts, and making them go through their, you know, programming. And you also see a a, a young Ford, kind of in a panic, looking uh, for Arnold. Right, he, yeah, he's stomping uh, so through the, the hallway stuff. and he makes his way to Arnold's uh, office so yeah. that he can start yelling at him. Yeah, and that's where you see the, the name Arnold Weber on the door, uh, which again is an anagram for Bernard Lowe. So. <laughs> Very clever, Mr. Nolan. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, so she comes back up from there after she has the revelation and all that, and she hears uh, someone coming up to the church door and for some reason she calls out to William and well the last we saw of of the two of them interacting with each other she, he said I will find you again so yes if you think of it as hers just having that mem- or just having that occasion happen to her she thinks that it's pretty recent she I assume she th- she thinks it's going to be William walking through that door but but it's actually the man in black so they're definitely playing with us now, suggesting that William is the man in black. Or there's something else that has yet to be revealed, like some kind of last minute shocker where it turns out that this is actually Logan. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Which I wouldn't put it past them. And I it wouldn't. turns out that, yeah, the experience that he had with William made him realize that, oh crap, these are not just hosts. Maybe they are alive. I have to see, you know, because that's the other possibility is that William didn't actually move up the ranks. Um, He just kind of, you know, lived his life and fizzled out. But Logan was the one that, you know, had the catharsis and now wants to see what else there is here. You know, like he thought he knew it all and realized, oh, crap, there's actually something else going on here. There you go. Uh, I'm right there with you. And that 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 notion did come across. my my mind too while watching this episode so uh i think that next week when we cover the season finale we are going to have a lot to talk about and i can't wait to watch the episode so uh anything else you wanted to, to throw out there 
No, I think that's pretty much it. If I come up with some really awesome memes, they will be posted on the Geek Leak Facebook page. <laughs> All right. And then if uh, anybody listening would like to get in touch with us and talk about some of their theories of Westworld and what they think so far, you can get a hold of me on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Uh, John is also on Twitter as... I am at Magic Bollocks. And uh, Geek Elite Radio is on Twitter as at Geek Elite Radio. And then... As he said, go over to our Facebook page. Check out some of the great memes. Check out our, you know, be a part of our conversation. Be a part of the community. Uh, Facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio. Then go to our website, geekeliteradio.com to be, uh, check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts in the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next week, this has been the Geek's Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.